welcome to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Hello friends, back for another episode of the Thrive Podcast. Today, I thought I would take you through the top five things I wish I knew when we first started this business. And I'll tell you right now, it's actually going to be six and I could possibly add a seventh, an eighth, a ninth and a tenth, <laughs> but we'll see how we go. So top five things, give you guys a little bit of background. Sloan and I purchased our flower business three and a half years ago. And just before that, we had actually started a separate wedding and events floristry business. So we have been running both, um, keeping the brands separate, but having a lot of overlap between the people that work on across the two lines of business. And when we first took that flower shop on, I am so glad. So glad we had no idea what we were doing. Um, for those who have worked or who own or who operate or who know somebody that operates a retail flower business, it is intense and relentless is probably the only word that we have ever found to sum it up. And it's an experience and it's amazing and there's so many ups and downs and it's pretty amazing to be able to take our old corporate experience, big city business experience and apply it to our own small town business, literally small town. And so I thought for those of you who are just at the beginning stages of your journey, I thought I would just share a few bits of information with you. And so these are my top five things I wish I knew when we first started our business. And the first one is say yes until you need to say no. And when we first started, we said yes to pretty much every opportunity that came our way. We did styled shoots. I probably said yes to almost every wedding inquiry. Dabbled in every type of wedding flower creation there is out there. And do a lot of work for funerals. Um, at the time, we did a lot of work for one of the interflora type networks. And just said yes to it all. And I'm so grateful that I did because it really allowed me to play with probably every type of flower under the sun and really understand how specific flowers behave, how to care for flowers, how flowers and foliages behave together. Had to do a lot of homework around the mechanics of how things are done, even though I had gone to school for floristry and earned my full certification. There's still things that they just don't teach you and photos on Pinterest of brides that want specific things and specific creations and spent many hours of my life researching how to do certain things. And at this point in time, I'm so grateful, so, so grateful that I had to do that because it really makes me stand back and, and know how we can tackle specific challenges. How do we think about the mechanics of doing ceiling installations out of specific um, products, um, but probably more importantly, it, it makes me realize the type of forestry and design that I want to be spending 
my weeks doing and the type of floristry and design that I don't want to spend my weeks doing. And even now, I guess three years into running the retail side of the business, we have even, I guess, narrowed down the product offering that we have even further. And if there are, I don't know, 5,000 colors and varieties of flowers at the Sydney flower market, we probably limit ourselves to say at least 200, if not the, the bulk of the bulk of it is probably a hundred different varieties and colors, even within that, just to really simplify our offering, really articulate to our customers what it is that we're about and particularly to our wedding events, brides and couples. Um, so they can really understand what we're about. And I'm happy to point people in a different direction if they're after something that isn't really our standard or our aesthetic. So lesson number one, say yes until you need to say no. Lesson number two is really understanding our costs. And I know everybody just rolls their eyes, wants to poke a hot skewer in their left and right eye and their friend's eyes whenever we talk about money. But I love it. And I love talking about finances, but I love talking about profit and costs and just really understanding what are the the different, I guess, levers that you have within your business to to actually make money. And it's a floristry is a fucking complicated business. And there are so many different ways to make money and so many different ways and leaky buckets to lose money in. And I think it's just coming to the table with a mindset of of trying to turn what might be a hobby for you right now into a legitimate commercial business. And this is not just about having a pastime, but this is about making a viable living. And this is not, you know, a nine to five job for many of us. We are, you know, pouring blood, sweat and tears into this and we got to pay for groceries and rent and maybe a new pair of shoes. And at the end of the day, it's about being able to create a sustainable business. Otherwise you will be back finding yourself at another job. And so I think spending the time and the energy to really understand how and where you make money in floristry is incredibly important. Every week that I go up to the market, I'm tempted to spend, you know, another $20 here. Oh, that would be pretty. I'm going to spend another $50 here. And oh, I didn't realize that those were in season so early. Oh, that colored rose is so pretty. Oh, I'll just grab a bucket of that. And, and that's one of the ways that you just, I guess, get yourself into that trap of overspending. And so I will be spending probably many, many hours in your ears talking to you about finances and money and profit and sales and cash flow and all the big words that scare people that I love. And I think we finally cracked the formula on, you know, the ratio of product to sales, to staffing, to operations, to making sure we have cash in the bank for the tax man and, and all the things and I will be sharing that with you guys. But um, for those who have it, we also have a freebie in our bridal bouquet pricing cheat sheet, which will give you a little bit of a rundown on how we um, price things and how much we allocate for wholesale budget versus the time we spend on things. So grab that off of the Thrive website. So it's thrivepodcast.co. If you scroll down, you'll see bridal bouquet pricing cheat sheet. So that's one way just to to look at how much you're charging for a bouquet and figure out how much to actually spend on wholesale product. And that actually very well leads into point number three, that there is no one right way. So just in terms of that bridal bouquet pricing cheat sheet, that's how we do it. 
that's just one way to look at your pricing. But like everything in floristry, there truly is no one right way. And when I finished my formal training and certification up in Sydney, I thought I had it all. I thought I knew all the things. I thought, you know what? We could buy this flower shop. We'll be fine. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. And, you know, there is only so much that they can teach you in flower school and so much that you just need to learn on the job. And I think particularly when it comes to the design side of things, how to create large-scale installations with impact, but without spending thousands on flowers and foliage or a hundred hours trying to create the thing. Um, even simple things like how do you transport this bridal bouquet that's fully ribboned to the bride? And how do I get that from A to B without shitting my fur pants, <laughs> but making sure it's still in water, still going to look beautiful when it gets there, making sure that that first impression of what she sees is just amazing and she's super excited. Uh, and then things like how, they, how do you actually price a hoopah? Where do I even get a hoopah from? How big does the hoopah need to be? What are we going to do in terms of the setup? How long is it going to take to design it? What do we want the thing to look like? I mean, with every challenge that came up, Son and I would sit down, go through it. I would go out for a walk or I'd have a shower and let my subconscious brain just kind of noodle it over. And we'd come up with what we thought was the best solution at the time. And ironically, many of the things that we came up in the early stages of our business, we still use today. We found, you know, other ideas that other florists have brought to us, other business owners have brought to us, but we've just realized there are some things that we do that just make sense for the way that we do them. And that's amazing. So I would say the same thing to you, you know, find the way that suits you and do it that way. And, you know, whether that includes using floral foam, not using floral foam, using chicken wire, not using chicken wire, using cable ties, not using cable ties, using specific kinds of flowers and staying away from other kinds of flowers. Just whatever works for you is fine. It's perfect. It's great. It's right. It absolutely is right. Don't feel like just because you saw somebody else on Instagram do it a certain way or some insert famous florist name here doing it this way that you have to do it that way. And that is the only right way. Mm -mm. Guys, this is where the creativity and the artistic flair comes in. It's whatever works for you to get the job done, to create the design that you want to design is the right way to do it. And so the bottom line is there truly is no one right way to do anything in floristry. Some approaches might be better than others, but just know that whatever your solution is, it's fine. Number four, keep learning. And this, I think, just goes back to me as a human being and down to my core that I love learning. I love learning every single day and I love experimenting with things and I love talking to other florists, understand how they operate, picking up little tidbits from these people over here, that person over there, listening to business podcasts, wherever I go. And I just absolutely love, love, love learning. And I think in addition to having gone to kind of the formal certification and flower school side of things, I have invested a huge amount of time and money in attending intensive workshops with a lot of international designers. And so I've gone to, I did the full certification up at Pearson's school in Sydney. Did, I've done two of Mr. Cook, Alex's and Jardine's masterclass weekend workshops. I have done a day long workshop with Nicole from Soil and Stem. I've done Chapel Designers Workshop over in North Carolina. And I think the icing on the cake was just this past November spending four days with Katie Davis from Ponderosa and Time 
and she is a big reason why I am here and I'm doing this and I am listening to the sound of my own voice and I don't know all I can say is is find those designers and creative people who truly inspire you whose soul you connect with and it will absolutely be worth be worth it and sometimes spending three four five thousand dollars on those workshops seems really daunting but you know I would just absolutely set that money aside and say that you're worth it you're so worth learning and educating and training yourself and just jumping in both feet and I think tying into that if I could kind of go back to the beginning if you know if I could change things a little bit I think I would potentially look at actually freelancing with other florists earlier on in my career I've had a few opportunities recently to do that and it's been so much fun and I think you feel so appreciated when you work with other florists who are looking for people who are capable <laughs> when you run your own floristry business for five years that truly makes all the difference in the world. And I think if you can go work with other people who are at a similar skill level as you, or even better, you'll learn something every single time out. And even if those people don't necessarily have the same aesthetic as you, there's so much value in spending time with them, helping them prep product, understanding the mechanics of how they you know, do installations, how do they pack things in their van for transportations, what do they do for food and drink on the day, what do they do in terms of outlining details on their quotes and managing client expectations? There's just so many facets of floristry that you can learn from other people and, and pick up little tidbits here and there. So I would definitely encourage you to, to look for opportunities to freelance with people you know and people you don't know. Big companies, small companies, local companies, big city companies. Just put your name out there. See what happens. And you'll learn just as much from them as you will from the florists who you wish you could emulate those people that you follow on Instagram or people that you go to workshops from, I think you can get as much value from both freelancing without the florists as you would in paying for an actual workshop or a course. And lesson number five, you are you and stay in your own lane. And that is a quote from our friend Oprah Winfrey. And I wish I could say this is something that I learned early and truly still stick to, but it is so easy for you to get wrapped up in what everyone else is doing, try and emulate somebody else's style, try and, you know, put all your energy into thinking if I don't have 8,000 million Instagram followers, then it's just not worth it. But it's, I don't know, I'm just, every day that passes, I get better, better at understanding. It's my, my life, my bubble. I get to do what I want. I get to let other people into it. I get to share whatever I want on Instagram and not. And I think it's only been in the last few months that I've come to terms with and started to enjoy the fact that what I find appealing is quite different to what other people find appealing. And that's the beauty of being creative, guys. Floristry is a creative endeavor. It's an art form. And you are your own person with your own point of view and absolutely cherish that. Nurture it, let it thrive, let it speak out, let it be everything. And I'd say find your own floral design lane and stay in that lane. <laughs> Don't simply try and copy somebody else's approach. And I think, you know, there's two sides to that coin. And one is trying to sit there and dissect and understand how somebody actually created what they created and what did they use in terms of their mechanics and, you know, how many stems of things and what that might have costed. But it's also just don't let that prevent you from 
reaching and being the creative person that you could be because it's it's your life and it's your soul and it's your heart that you're putting out into the world and that's the beauty of it is that you have a point of view and you have a voice and it matters and people need to hear it and they should hear it and they want to hear it so experiment and find what resonates with you and what's beautiful and what speaks to your heart and just share it with the world and related to that i would say definitely spend time understanding other florists and other artists perspectives and what really identify the elements of the designs that you're actually attracted to and possibly look at ways to adopt those aspects you know evolve your style but possibly stay focused on you and what feels right to you and you'll also notice that you'll go through these cycles of really you know being attracted to color or being attracted to neutrals or looking for textures or looking for you know bold solid colors or a nice mixture and interlude of textures and the dance between different floristry styles and really coming up with what speaks to you at that moment and i think related to that is just the notion of actually practicing i think when you own a creative business it's so easy to get wrapped up in the making for everybody else you lose sight of the need and the desire to actually create something for yourself and then deconstruct your own work and understand what you like about it and what you don't like about it. Experiment with, experiment with different with different with different different containers and different vessels and understand how can I make this? How small can I make this? What proportion looks better in this container than that container? How about you know combining different sized blooms? What works? What doesn't? Working with depth and working with movement, testing out different mechanics like I don't know working with flower frogs versus working with pot tape versus working with chicken wire versus working with oasis everything feels a little bit different and you'll find what works for you and your go-to techniques and mechanics so that when you are in a pinch and when you are you know have a massive long line of production to do that you'll have your go-to and you'll be able to just whip through it so much faster if you're able to rely a bit more on taking that time to practice in and amongst everything else that you're doing and setting a time setting aside time to be creative for yourself. And on that note, I will probably actually add a sixth tip um, that I learned from Jardine, the Jardine. <laughs> and product choice is everything. It is everything in floristry. And I rely on that every single week in terms of what we buy for the shop, in terms of planning recipes for weddings and events. And if you invest in beautiful flowers of high quality that fit with the brief of what you're doing, no matter on your worst day, if you put them together, it may not be your best piece of work ever, but it's going to look beautiful. It's going to be absolutely beautiful if you've spent the right amount of time thinking about your ingredients, you know, your ratio of mixing different colors together and textures and making sure you've got depth and interest in some of the details that you're choosing. You can just pick things out of a bucket and throw it together and it'll be stunning. So I'd say spend all of your time, I should say that, 80% of your time, 50% of your time, a big chunk of, chunk of your time, actually planning your recipes and thinking about your product choice so that when it comes to the production and the collection of everything together in terms of the event day itself, it'll be so much better. And even if something happens and you need to do something really, really quickly, you know that you can just choose from a beautiful product that you have on hand, mishmash it together, put a ribbon on it and call it a day. 
and I shouldn't make it sound so simple, but I just want to make the point of, of I truly believe that ingredients and product choice is 80% of your design. So let me recap. What's now turned into the top six things I wish I knew when we first started our business. And number one is say yes until you need to say no. Number two, understand your costs and think about the business side of things. Number three, there truly is no one right way in forestry. Number four, keep learning and invest in yourself because you are worth it. Number five, you are you and stay in your lane. Find your voice and give yourself time to practice and evolve and change and adapt. And finally, number six, ingredients and product choice is everything. Thank you guys so much. And I would absolutely love, love, love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions for shows, questions, ideas, thoughts, miscellaneous ramblings, please feel free to go to thrivepodcast.co. And on that webpage, you'll be able to directly submit a question, comment, nitpicky detail. Would love to hear where you guys are listening from. So the other thing is if you want to take a screen grab and share it on Instagram, tag me at littlebirdbloom and I will definitely share it on our Instagram feed. And I'm so excited that you guys could join me today. Thank you so much. I love you and have a wonderful day.